0: What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 39 of The Disc Golf Podcast. I'm Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, professional of many things,
1: Joe. Right. I'm so excited to be here. It's my first show.
0: <laughs> We've already done this intro. I know we have. I just, I just felt
1: like doing it again. I was going to say, it's my second show. I'm so excited. But then I went straight to first, like an idiot.
0: <laughs> I was going to go like professional of many things, none of which are disc golf. But Well, that's I, very I, true.
1: <laughs> that's super true. I mean, um, I will consider myself a um, professional disc golf enthusiast.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like we have Me a podcast. Too. Like that's, yeah.
1: that's good enough, or at least it's a title I'll, I will tell my wife to make her feel better about the money I spend on plastic.
0: Welcome to the Disc Golf Podcast. We're Joe and Robin. We're professionals of many things, none of which are disc golf. Yes. But...
1: But disc golf related things,
0: we're not even really professionals at talking to people about disc golf yet. I mean, we're getting close. I feel like we're're we're, there's we're, probably a
1: few people who think we are, and there's a few people that would like us to stop.
0: We're probably baggers in the advanced division at this point, right? low end low end on open, and
1: no no, okay. Damn. I mean if we drop to like um, uh, what's the what's the casual one wreck? Wreck. Yeah, if we dropped a wreck, we'd be baggers. Gotcha. <laughs> like I think that's as that's as bad of baggers as we can be, we, but we can. I think there have been times where I've been called a bagger in, um, in intermediate. Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's like, but I think for both of us, our game fluctuates so much that we definitely could throw to place in advanced. But we can also easily throw to not place an intermediate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: It's like, hey, what's your... Someone was telling me uh, I played like a doubles tournament, I don't know, a few months ago. Or like a just a... Um, whatever, a league night. Or a league night. Or yeah. And they're like, well, I was like, I'm not sure if I should put... If I should go with advanced or intermediate. And he was like, well, what? what's your regular score here? And I was like, well, pretty much you went from plus five to minus five. <laughs> yeah. He's like... Yeah, it sounds intermediate. (laughs) Like, if it was consistently, like, the the minus three to minus five for the course that we were playing, I probably could have stuck with advanced, but I'm not that consistent. And I definitely did get called, like, three or four holes in. Someone totally called me a bagger. And then I played the rest of the round. And then they stopped saying anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you not familiar with the term bagger, a bagger is someone that plays in a division that is beneath their skill level in order to win.
1: Right. So. Have you ever been a bagger in anything? Is there anything you can think of that you've ever, like...
0: Uh... Definitely haven't done it in disc golf. That's that's for sure. No, for sure. And, um... Uh i i I went into my my collegiate uh career with a lot of experience that's in true. that field that's true so i i guess in in that sense i i went into my my chosen degree and and already had uh work experience in that field prior which is not not common but uh, i don't know i don't i don't other than that i don't think so
1: yeah i feel like i've probably like stepped in to play like video games against people mm-hmm. like i've definitely uh been a bagger, like, playing, like, Street Fighter 2 back in the day. Or, like, Mortal Kombat 2 back in my elementary days. Definitely, like, went in, like, I don't know, and, like, lost a round or two on purpose. Uh. And then just took care of business.
0: See, for me, it'll probably take me a good 15 minutes in a first-person shooter game just to figure out how to, like, run in a certain direction and look in another. So Yeah. that that's, uh... Well, yeah.
1: And I play some <laughs> games like that, but I'm not... I'm not too fantastic at it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't think someday I hope to be good enough to be a bagger. Yeah. I don't know that I will bag.
0: No, I don't think that it I, I mean aside from sports that have leagues like that, it's not it's not a term you hear very often in in other in other sports. I mean, I guess you could you could have like a ringer or something like that. Right. Well, in, I think I in, like uh... I
1: I go straight to like pool.
0: Yeah. Where you got a shark or a ringer exactly, or someone exactly. like that. Exactly, someone
1: that's... who like... Um...
0: I take that back. I'm now thinking of lots of examples <laughs> yeah. that. You know what? I think in all honesty,
1: I think we had a good run um, back in our day with beer pong. I think we definitely bagged some beer pong. Oh, I don't know. But I think
0: actually... Uh, I think that was more just ability and willingness to drink a lot of light it, beer. That's really what it was.
1: That's what actually... I think you and I... I don't know if we discussed it on a podcast before. But if um, if beer was a, a, a mainstay and like a legal piece of disc golf, that's how we could take down competition in a double tournament. Just get them drunk. Just Just yeah. have them drink along with us the whole time. And by like 14 we could just take off because we're still feeling the same and they are declining quickly
0: how you can use alcoholism to improve your disc golf score
1: or (laughs) I think you just titled the book like that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I really hope I don't write that book. Well, it sounds awful. you'd
1: probably drink a little too much to
0: get that written <laughs> to, out. To actually make that happen. Yeah. Just procrastinate on it and
1: drink a beer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Hmm, I need to get in the right mm-hmm. mindset for this. Let me drink a beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was a 10% beer. Speaking of I'll that... I'll get to it tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that, I watched some uh, CCDG videos, Central Coast Disc Golf videos, this week on uh, the Bloom, which was a tournament in Colorado, and one of the... There was a little game that the lead card was playing with each other, which was like a points game that they were awarding points to people for bad luck shots. Like a a bad roll away that just had nothing to do with the quality of the shot or chain outs and things like that. And apparently they, they all put money in in the beginning. And the person that gets the most points at the end of the round wins that you know five bucks each or or whatever it was yeah. from from the card. Which I honestly I'd never heard of that before. Do you think and Drew Gibson
1: ever bags that game? <laughs> oh wow, that was that was a callback. Like if uh, that you're new legit. to the show, that makes zero sense. <laughs> um, Drew Gibson earlier in the disc golf pro tour. Yeah,
0: in the in the final of the disc yeah, golf pro tour, purposely.
1: Uh, pooped his final putt to finish the round so he could be on a different card. Anyways, so yeah, uh, had they been playing the bad luck game, obviously that was blatant, but he could have been a little more creative with his bad luck. I don't think
0: the team would have, the the card would have awarded (coughs) Awarded him a point for that. But, you know, there's one where it was a front rim banger or a missed putt that that dropped down and rolled 40 feet away and one of the other players puts the index finger up you know signaling a (laughs) point point. that's a point (laughs) so i mean obviously you don't want to be the person that wins that but it's still kind of a nice acknowledgement of the horrible luck randomness that you can get and another just kind of great example of of different ways that different people play and and interesting kind of additions to the game that add little side bets or or uh you know, added interest to the to the game.
1: Totally. We'll keep, keep you going. Like, I've definitely had rounds where luck's been real bad, and by, like, 15, I'm approaching with the driver that I threw off the tee because I'm like, <laughs> whatever, let me just hole out. So something, you know, to, to push it or to make you feel better about that horrible luck uh, would help, especially with a few of the cores we have around here, like Skyline, um, that would... That would make me feel better. <laughs>
0: winning, winning a beer or something for, yeah. for, for your efforts, and it, it just kind of reminds you. Like Joe and I will often play when we start around. Not often, almost every time. Sometimes we're pressed for time, and this is where it really came from. But on the first hole of our round, we throw two drives mm-hmm. and we do a best a best shot on yeah. that. On the it's the only hole we do it on, but we will just commonly do that in our casual rounds together is that we just, we know we didn't properly warm up. So we're going to take, we're going to give yourself a shot at a mulligan on the first hole. And I know other people that play that way as well, but there's just kind of interesting variations to the game of disc golf and, yeah, and little, little kind of, I thought that was a really, really brilliant little wiggle to the game. No, I think it it was pretty cool. On top of that, the, if you haven't seen the videos of it, Colorado is beautiful, first of all, and there are some really interesting players on that card that are throwing thumbers and overhand shots that are just
1: unbelievable. All right, real quick before I figure it out, I think going forward, at least anytime we play Skyline or Stafford, mm-hmm.
0: these are two courses local to us that 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 have. Uh, pretty good chance of rollaways because yeah. there's lots Big of elevation potential. especially in summer when the ground is hard and dry here in California because it doesn't rain
1: uh, I think we from this point on should institute a bad luck buzz ball oh god where it's like well I don't, want I don't, that. I don't really think it's punishment <laughs> I think it's, it's punishment in the moment but like 10 minutes later makes it better that sounds terrible Alright, so it's set. <laughs> Bad luck, Buzzball. I will start carrying...
0: At a time to be named later.
1: No. Nope. No. I think it's part of the oh, uh, God. the gear up. I think it just... We'll take turns buying it and, and bagging it through the round until the end. Oh, wow. Yeah, no thanks. And no, it's already done. Alright. It's already done. It's recorded. Uh, it's It's happening. Public
0: record now. Yep it's uh, it's in the books just like the election that we're not going to talk about, about <laughs> but it is the the day after uh election in America so we have a new president elect yeah.
1: so and we obviously both stayed up quite late last night and we are. maybe had some beverages so mm-hmm. uh we might be a little bit tired this episode so if we ramble on or ramble off don't worry
0: about it you'll me. know why exactly but we are we are a disc golf podcast, not a po- political po- podcast.
1: Right. So right, because I barely know enough to talk about disc mm-hmm. golf for like forty five minutes an hour. I, you don't want me talk about politics. Plus,
0: we already got data from all of America, and and pretty much talking about it guarantees you are going to piss off fifty percent of the country of your listeners. So right, it's uh it's pretty pretty. Let's,
1: cle- let's move past.
0: Pretty that. clean cut that instead of talking about politics. We should talk about...
1: Religion. <laughs> oh, no, that's another one we're not going to...
0: I was going to say that we should talk about the Anheuser shot versus the flex shot.
1: That also, that sounds better. That's probably where we should yeah, go. Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, good call. Good, touche. touche. <laughs> we, we have, in, in a few different places,
0: seen questions and, and things like that. and Or seen
1: firsthand with our friends. Seen
0: firsthand with our friends in, uh, in playing disc golf the difference between the Anheuser shot and the flex shot, and also seen some confusion into the difference between the two that we thought we just wanted to cover. Right. So this,
1: this actually goes back, like, I remember watching an interview with Paige Pierce years ago, mm-hmm. and this was um, her tip Mm-hmm. This was her tip, and I'm sure at this point she's looking back being like, what was I telling you? I don't people? think she meant flex
0: shot, but she, yeah,
1: I, no, I do remember she, this No, she said exactly, she said, you know, for extra distance, throw on Anheuser and let it flex back. Yeah. And I think... Um, well, but yeah, throwing on Anheuser will do that, but the f-
0: the flex, I think, is what we're going through i I do remember what what you're talking about that, yeah that one i I wish I could remember what it was for it was
1: probably like Disc golf guy or something
0: yeah it was something along those lines, but just quickly the the anheuser shot for a a right handed player and the flex shot and a lot of people call
1: it like the s shot too
0: yeah that yeah absolutely especially for the flex it's specifically but an Anheuser shot for a right-handed player is when a player throws a disc that they are going to shape the shot so that it goes to the right. And right normally, hand, backhand. N- normally for a right-handed player that's throwing a backhand shot, you know, if you throw your disc perfectly flat, it's going to go out straight and it's going to finish off fading to the left. Now, an Anheuser is when you adjust the path of your throw so that you are going to have a shot that. Maybe never comes back to the left, and goes out. Sometimes high to left, sometimes low and tight. Mm-hmm. But that it goes and 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 turns to the right and carries a, a high amount of turn throughout the flight. And this is done with either a an, a disc that's understable, and and kind of giving it a release point that allows the understability of the disc to right, keep working to the right. Power. right. Or it's done with a little bit of angle on, on the throw, the, the release angle. Sometimes both, right. depending on it. Um, but traditionally, I would say the Anheuser is, is more letting the disc do the work for you. Right. So you're, you're throwing where you're kind of aiming off to the left for a right-handed backhand player. And, and you're throwing a disc that is understable, knowing that when you throw off to the left... The, at the right angle, that the disc is going to continue to work over to the right and give you kind of the opposite of your, your right-handed, backhand, standard hyzer shot. Shape, yeah. And then you have the flex shot that I think a lot of people confuse a lot of times. The flex shot is thrown with an overstable disc, a, st- right. a disc that is not going to want to turn very much at all. And it's thrown at a more severe angle... So that you force it into an S turn, right? So as you, it is immediately the disc as it releases your hands fighting the angle that you threw it at. So it's, you know, hooking out. You threw it out to the left. You threw it on angle. It works over to the right, and then S's back to the left mm-hmm. at the end, giving a very exaggerated flight path. Right. And we have a lot of people that do this to get more distance because right. in the right. beginning and it force that you can't flex that. for
1: distance. Yeah.
0: So it, we, we hear it all the time where people will just like the Paige Pierce interview that you talked about. And and people will just discover on their own, you know, hey, I threw this disc I normally threw. I put some angle on it and it flexed out and I got 30 more feet. We have a tiny issue with that. Yeah. Especially when your goal is to get distance from that type of shot. Right. It, the The flex shot for most players... If you're in an advanced level or, uh, or open or something like that, is used for specific things. One, you're in a fairway that has a shot that requires an S.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you have to get around a tree. Then you have no option to go to the left. So you have to or go to the right. So you have to go to the left, but then it has to finish.
1: Mm -hmm. around
0: another one right and so that takes
1: the forehand out because you need to come back
0: so you had to have that s line and so it will be used for that sort of thing the other option is in kind of max distance situations for very skilled players
1: with very big arms with
0: very with a ton of power they will take an overstable disc and they will throw a flex line even still not kind of exaggerated it's more based on their mechanics to get a ton of distance but it there really is a power threshold at which that right. makes sense right. and they're right. not they're not manipulating the disc angle like we we sometimes hear from people where they're almost throwing roller type angles to get more distance and the problem with it is that you'll develop bad habits in your throwing just to get that extra distance. You don't want to have to throw an S-line. This is a shot that in a tight fairway is just not going to work. Definitely. You, you need a lot of yeah, space. Yeah, if you're not
1: wide open, um, it's it's not really going to work. Uh, I think the other thing, <clears throat> as you throw more and more, one, now your mechanics are going to be like off-axis. You're going to be throwing at a weird angle. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be optimum for power. But two with anybody especially when you're starting out you're going to slowly develop more power mm-hmm. right so you're going to mix that more power with probably that same disc beating in mm-hmm. and now that disc that you're throwing on these cool S lines isn't going to come back and Suddenly, you're going to throw a, a yeah. C yeah so <laughs> all of those pieces together for me that's like the the red flag to just say stop doing that yeah um, Absolutely. And 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 i was guilty i mean i did that for maybe a month mm-hmm.
0: and what you're talking about is essentially off-axis torque is when you're in you're using your body mechanics to release the disc at an angle but as a result you're you're kind of rather than pulling the disc on a straight line through your drive you're kind of twisting around your body and and bringing the disc up at an angle it causes inconsistency it causes the disc sometimes if you threw it too hard or too much of an angle to just never do
1: that s yep that s curve back.
0: there's a really great uh video that's out there where paul Macbeth and nate sexton talk about form throwing and it's really nate sexton talking about it it's called paul Macbeth tips
1: well because like paul throws some discs and like looks real cool <laughs> yeah
0: but it's mostly nate sexton talking in this video and one of the things he he opens up with in his thing was he was like you know this guy on the course he needs every overstable disc he can because he turns everything over, but he only throws 340 feet. You know? Right. And, and it's, a, it's a really common thing, and the reason that happens is because they've got a lot of off-axis torque, and they're throwing these flex lines to get that distance, rather than working on their form to throw a flat shot.
1: With, with a disc that's you know, four speed lower, Yeah, that's going to gonna go on a straight bullet and get mm. that same distance of not further
0: yeah or you know using that overstable disc say for what it's primarily meant for which is a big hyzer shot or or right. something along those and, lines and you
1: yeah. hear me talk about overstable discs all the time and how much i love them and robin can uh corroborate this that is for big dirty hyzers yeah, absolutely yeah. i don't ever pull out my crazy overstable huge rim discs to go right or for max distance. That's yeah. that's not what I'm doing. I throw, if I have a big opening to hyzer over something, or I'm just a big open field and I want to rip mm-hmm. something, I'll pull out my overstable yeah. gross plastic because it's fun mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I love them big hyzers. But it's never, um, it's never for weird flex shots.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's it's not a great habit to get into, in my opinion. We we've heard, you know. Heard seen ask questions about, you know, just in general experience seen seeing this happen quite a bit. So we just felt we wanted to, to talk right. about it a little
1: bit as a And and talking deal. about Anheuser too, and we talked about it just a little bit, but I want to go over it a little bit more. When you're wanting a disc to go right and not come back, that is not so much angle as it is power and the disc speed that you're throwing. Yeah when when you see the pros throw big Anheuser's around trees they're not putting them on gross angles a lot of times they're releasing on heiser and they have enough power that it's going to flip and they know what the disc is going to do and it will turn over and glide out
0: yeah for for me the 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 Anheuser and the heiser shot are are very similar in their in their their shots they're a mirror of each other but really the difference is when I'm throwing a big Anheuser or a Sky Anheuser shot, I'm picking a disc that is understable that's right. going to work. and I'm not instead of trying to, to spin around my body and throw the disc to the angle, I'm just l- kind of lowering the angle of my reach back. so I'm reaching a little bit more down and then I'm pulling in a straight line up in those shots. and on an Anheuser, I'm aiming to the left. And I'm just still trying to keep the disc on a straight line throughout my reach back and through the release, and I release aiming left, and the disc goes out, you know, on that straight right. line and does the work for me.
1: Right. And the other thing that I'll do with my Anheuser shots is I'll angle my X step. Mm-hmm. So for an Anheuser, I'm gonna aim from the back right of the box to the front left of the box. Exactly. Because that's gonna force me to mechanically to. Um, Slightly get that turn because I'm wanting to get to my target that's to the right. Uh, So that's something actually I watched like a Ricky Mm -hmm. Waisaki, a newer one where he was speaking semi-well. Yeah. Uh, And that changed a lot with my Anheuser game. So there's a lot of pieces to it. Um, But the main thing I guess we want to point out is just to reiterate, Anheuser shots are not for max distance unless you're Lazada or Macbeth and you need to get over crazy trees. Yeah. And you're gonna put it high enough in the air that it's gonna have time to work back. Um for most or if you need it to go right. Like that's we're using it's not a max distance throw. For most players, the max distance throw is probably the
0: hyzer flip. Yep. So an understable disc with a lot of glide, most likely a tailwind, where you're throwing on a, a slight hyzer angle with a nice nice straight release and the disc will come out flip to flat turn maybe never totally fade uh, or fade a Mm -hmm. little bit at the end but for most players that's your best bet for distance is rather than than trying to grab an overstable disc and flex it is to club down grab an understable disc and throw it on a hyzer flip line to to get out there now if you have a ton of power and you you have naturally good mechanics or you've spent a lot of time working on it absolutely the overstable plastic the big arms of disc golf like right. eagle mcmahon and nicola and castro we're,
1: we're preaching the choir i guess at this point um if if you truly and you know you're you know how you're throwing that that flex shot or that Anheuser for max distance you know what you're doing exactly. you got the arm to know what you're doing what
0: we're saying basically is that the flex shot it, it, unless in necessity it for distance is an extremely advanced shot. Yep. It, it's not yep. It, it's not the shot that you want to be using. It's not terribly accurate, number mm-hmm. one, because you're you're got a lot of factors going on the flight of that disc. Right. And it's difficult to, to get a perfect little pinpoint
1: spot for for a shot <laughs> like ready, that. You ready for the test? <laughs> here's here's the test. And we brought this up last episode. Um this is how you know whether you can throw Anheuser or, or, I guess, flex throws for max distance or for, for big distance. Uh, if you have a disc in your bag that's unpredictable, <laughs> maybe sometimes it goes right, sometimes it goes left. I don't know what it's doing. You can't throw that shot for max <laughs> distance. Yeah, that's we, true. we talked about it briefly before. If you have a disc in your bag that is unpredictable, you never know if it's going right or left, Um, the unpredictability is in the user.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: And I'm that dude and I've been that dude. Uh, and I've talked about it a lot. This podcast has been amazing for me to get away from that because I'm forced to try and throw multiple discs the same exact way to compare their flights. And it's made me, um, do a lot more field work than Mm -hmm. I was doing before. And that's like the number one is the field work. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you've got a disc that you know it's, it's going to do, get out there and just get your mechanics solid. Yeah. And once it does exactly what you know it's going to do every time, then your money. And you can start working with new discs and checking out new shots. And And it's true.
0: We Since we do get out and review discs and test a lot of discs, and we will in this episode in our world famous deer review where we take a disc and a beer and review them both and tell them whether you should bag them. We do that every week, so we got a different disc. Sometimes we've thrown them before. Sometimes they're brand new to us, but we always bring out a lot of discs, and the one thing that we notice is often the consistency, and even in yourself. Like for me, when I hit a certain speed of disc, the distance potential doesn't change. Like I get up above about 10 speed, and it doesn't matter. I'm going to throw a 10-speed disc just as far as I'm going to throw a 14-speed disc because I don't have the arm speed to really do that right to to get that fourteen speed potential out of that disc, and I just already know that from throwing them so it's it's very interesting throwing a lot of different discs and testing all of them out and seeing your own limitations and and
1: well, it's great too. it's a really good feeling um throwing a disc like last week we did the colt. And I was out in the field and I threw it and I was like, "Wow, that that went right. I did something wrong." <laughs> yep. And knowing it right off the bat is a fantastic feeling. Um, it kind of sucks cuz I did it and I'm like, oh, "I didn't want to do that." But it's, it, it's definitely it's good to a lot know better that than, you made a mistake. Yeah.
0: It's definitely a lot better than why did that happen? Mhm. Which is always a good question to ask yourself if you're not sure, but it's it often a mechanical flaw is, as as we know throwing the throwing in the field a lot you'll start to notice what when you're having a good day in the field and and you're making good drives and and you're throwing accurately and what the disc does and then some days you'll be out there and just nothing's working and it, your your mechanics are off you're ehyzering you're rounding you're you're doing all kinds of different stuff and having trouble with consistency or accuracy or, or your release.
1: So I'm going to just kind of move past a little bit and kind of talk about that. Cause I think that's a good thing. When you hit that wall, I'll call it, what, what do you do? Wall of, of what? Of uh, like to, just a, uh, a bad day of field work.
0: I would switch gears primarily. Uh, one, I think I mean, I've talked about it on past podcasts, but it, it's, it's, in any field work session, it's good to, to work yourself up, mm-hmm. warm up, and, and throw putters or something like that where you're not throwing too hard and, and get yourself warmed up before you throw. Definitely don't go out there cold and just start trying to chuck destroyers. Or <laughs> I definitely did not do that today. I, 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 I did that. <laughs> I did that today. You had a good chance of doing that. And, and If you feel that you are practicing bad mechanics, it's time to try something else you know go go find a spot where you can throw a a eighty foot upshot with your putter and just try and put it six feet away from your mark over and over and over mm-hmm. again, or you know where you can really power down that's that's typically what I would say if you're if you're out in the field trying to practice distance drives and and suddenly you're just way off the mark all the time yeah, it's time to switch gears and and try something different most i
1: would say I would say switch gears, but the other thing I would even say is. And this is me, and I literally work next to our field work field. <clears throat> um, so it's easy for me to say because I can get out pretty darn often. Um, I, I might just call it a day. You could. Um, if, yeah. if my mechanics are so out of whack that I am, mm-hmm. don't know what those big drives are doing, I honestly feel like I might hurt myself. You could. that, that well, That's my why mechanics I said that. Right, switch gears, and I think for me, I might just be like, i 've probably already done some damage um, I'm just gonna try and recoup a little bit yeah. and
0: uh... I mean it's important you are doing an athletic motion I, I would like in a, a good disc golf drive to to you know pitching and baseball where mm-hmm. if if you're not warmed up properly and 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 not in the right motion yeah you can hurt yourself especially if you're throwing 20 drivers in a row and then you go to the end of the field and you throw 20 drivers back you know these are you know, a lot of energy being expended in, in throws like this. And it, it's important to take the time to, to warm up and, and get your, get your body in the right motion. I think that throwing the lower speed stuff first really helps for that. Get yourself in a groove and get some confidence with, with some of those shots. And, and if it's not working, going back to them can't hurt at all. And sometimes helps you figure something out. You know, when you're, when your throw isn't going where you want it to, and then you go and, grab your, your mid range discs or your putters and throw them around and go, Oh, you know, my, my buzz never does that. I'm probably anhyzering it or I'm right. I probably have been, you know, releasing way too early or, or something along those lines just helps. You know, if you've been playing the same hole at your local course and you always throw the same disc and it's not working. A lot of times I've been able to jumpstart myself by just being like, you know what? This disc could work here. I'm going to try something slightly different. Right. You reset your mind. Right. You, you you, know, so much of this game is mental.
1: And I'm really good about doing the opposite <laughs> um, of like, you know what, I birdie this hole every time. I'm going to try something different. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> I do that all the time because I have new plastic or whatever. Um, like if it's working well, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. And I'm definitely like the master of like, Hmm. I could probably be, like, on the pin rather than six feet out. Let me try <laughs> this.
0: If I switch this instead of parking, I'll ace it. Yep. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, I feel don't. like the reason I don't have an ace is because I just consistently get close to the pin. Like, with an ace, right? If I miss, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Oh. So
0: you're saying that you don't have aces because aces are bad shots, and you don't throw bad shots? Is that what I'm... <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, basically. <laughs> Is that what I just yeah, I heard? Mean...
1: Listen, I don't have an ace. Just let me feel good about myself somehow, somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, you are on a podcast about disc golf right now. Uh, you have an alcoholic beverage that you're going to review for the
1: wonderful listeners. Oh, it's going to so, be so good. Uh, so, be I mean, so that good. sounds good. All right. So, All right. I feel better now. We're looking up already. But I, but I still want an ace. Hey. It'll happen. We need to start I mean, going. Maybe. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, I have a buddy uh, who has been playing for super long. Like, I feel like he told me he was playing like over 20 years, maybe even over 25 years before he got his first mm-hmm. ace. And I was there to witness it. Mm-hmm. And had he not hit that ace, that disc was going far, far away from the <laughs> basket. Yeah, that's
0: true. There's, there's a lot of truth to the. Uh to the ace being not such a great shot sometimes. I'd say that most of the ones that that probably are still good shots are the skip aces. Yeah. Those are those are the ones that most likely because they already had some of a lot of the speed deadened by the impact mm-hmm. with the ground or whatever they skipped off of their odds of sticking somewhat nearby are are pretty good and I feel like I've been really Unless lucky. you're just a Jedi and you can throw like the laser beam Straight at it. Right. And it was going to drop six feet behind the basket if it missed, you know.
1: Yeah. I think I've been lucky with all of my ace runs. I feel like I've gotten pretty much a birdie every time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had like, I've seen you have one straight up hit the top of the cage and like skip off Mm -hmm. like 50 feet away. I've definitely had that happen more than once. Yeah.
0: I had one on an elevated basket that that hit the cage and, and rolled about like oh maybe circle's edge something like that but circle's edge on an elevated basket with some hillside on the other side it was one of well, those plus just... the adrenaline from like yeah.
1: almost hitting it
0: and being angry about uh, it not, not going have... in yeah.
1: it's a it's a thing that
0: will it's happen it's a thing there's there's no doubt about that but we just wanted to quickly talk we got into like a much deeper conversation about mechanics than i think we intended to but well, that's fine but that's okay I got no problem with that. We we really wanted to explain the difference between the two shots and and hopefully convey to, to a lot of people that, that trying to master the flex shot as a way of biting off more distance in the end might harm your overall goal of even greater distance potential and accuracy. I think right. accuracy probably more so than distance. I feel like a lot of times accuracy is devalued in in the player's mind because distance is so sexy but those types of shots really make it difficult for you to be consistently accurate in in the way that you throw so it it, it's always good to remind people that that throwing accurately will lower your score a lot more than than getting an extra 15 feet on your drive but it looks so cool robin no i agree i mean i I use the word sexy it's sexy it is so it is (laughs) <laughs> easy, easy, Joe. Calm Sorry. down.
1: Listen, <laughs> I'm usually more the guy who gets that extra distance and and isn't uh, <laughs> at the basket. <laughs> I got to take what I can get.
0: Oh, come on, you're you're better than that. It's true. So I think it's time that we did our world famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc. We take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring on the course. And we have a very special one today because it was, not only was the disc sent to us by the listener, but he also sent us a $10 Visa gift card to buy the beer. So cool. Which is amazing. So we have uh, Matthew Raymond, who is a State Farm agent, and sent us a State Farm stamped destroyer. Star Destroyer. So, what a great idea. End of a fantastic. Star Destroyer. So, he's he's all over it. If you live in Alaska and you need a state farm agent, uh, trust no one else, basically.
1: Well, I feel like um, he could insure you outside of Alaska. I hope so. I think. I don't know.
0: I hope so. But uh, Matt Raymond, terrific listener, long-time listener who, who took the time to send us a nice note and send us this disc and also... The just kind of general awesomeness
1: of sending a gift Listen, card. It's a, it's a 172 Star Destroyer. Yeah. Like, this is like a dream disc for a lot of people. It's... Like, he, yeah. he didn't, you know, he didn't get, like, DX Destroyer stamped. Mm-hmm. They're not misprints. Like, it's a nice, clean, white Star Destroyer.
0: Yeah. And then just the... The general awesomeness of also sending us money for beer. So tonight we're going to pair this State Farm Star Destroyer with uh, Stone Brewing Company's 10th anniversary India Pale Ale. Now, funny story about this: yeah. Matt Raymond, his suggestion for this deer review was that we review it with Stone Ruination
1: yes, IPA, that's which yeah. you know
0: would make sense. Destroyer Ruination, at, you know. They go together. They're destroying oh, yeah. things. Yeah. So, Joe, what exactly happened that we ended up with <laughs> with the 10th anniversary India Pale Ale by Stone instead?
1: Okay, so this is. let me, let me run this through. Uh, first off, like, last minute, Robin says, Hey, Joe, can you pick up the beer? Because I can't do it. So I said, Fine. I will try and leave work a little bit early. Because that's the only way... I didn't say this to him, but in my mind, I was like, I have to leave work a little bit early. Because my wife will be upset if I come home late because I need to stop to get beer. Smelling like beer. Right. Well, if you stop to get it, you got to drink some, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the deal. So anyway, so uh, I'm on my way to the store and I get in my mind, like Ruination is great. It is a fantastic beer. But Ruin 10 is maybe even better, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a triple IPA. Yeah. i still got the Ruin piece. Um, so in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get Ruin 10. I'm going to get Ruin 10. Cool, I've got $10, that'll probably be enough for the 22. Get to the store, no Ruin 10. So I'm looking around, seeing where it could be. There is Ruination, mm-hmm. which is cool.
0: The original suggestion. The right. original
1: suggestion. Um, but once again, somehow I got in my mind that it was Ruin 10 and not Ruination. Uh, so Ruination 22 is like seven ninety-nine. You know, after tax, it's probably like $9.00. <laughs> Lo and behold, I look down below the twenty-two, and there's a four-pack of Stone twenty-twos. So it's their twentieth anniversary, mm-hmm. and they put a four-pack out. And these are all like ninety-plus rated beers. Yeah, uh, they're all like eight and a half percent or up. I think there's like one eight and a half, and everything is like ten percent now. Yeah, awesome beers. It's this Encore series. So uh, there's one beer in it that. Is new, but the other three I think are probably like limited releases from back in the day that I they're putting so. back out. Hence the encore. So here's, the, and then and then I look down. and I'm like, oh man, four twenty twos. Like these beers look awesome. Look down a little bit further. Price tag nineteen ninety nine. You are never gonna get four twenty twos of anything stone. <laughs> Like even if it's just straight stone IPA, you're not gonna get four twenty twos of stone IPA yeah. for twenty bucks. Listen I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> Cutting off half of that with 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 Matt's gift card, like I couldn't pass it up.
0: Joe went rogue and I couldn't be happier with that. Right? it. <laughs> right? Right? Was... Like
1: I was like, this is amazing. I'm four awesome twenty twos <laughs> that we get to drink um, for basically double the price that we're gonna buy one twenty two. Yeah, let's
0: do it. And the end result is that we got this Stone Tenth Anniversary India Pale Ale, which is ten percent alcohol, also to go along with that Tenth Anniversary, and is quite delicious. Then we have the Destroyer, which is like the probably the most popular distance driver in all of disc golf. I would say.
1: Sorry, this smells amazing. <laughs> I I'm blown away right now. <laughs> Joe is. Do you need to change your pants? <laughs>
0: are you sure? Are you okay can we proceed or do yeah go ahead go okay ahead. So, the uh the the destroyer and this one is in star plastic that he sent to us the the biggest thing that we want to talk about before we get into the review of this specific star destroyer because we we you know have to review one of them is that the destroyer has been around for so long in so many different plastics and so many different editions that there are a ton of different types of destroyers out there in the world that give yes. you varying flights and mostly ranging from extremely overstable, like the uh Macbeth Grand Slam destroyer that the Grand I have, Slam
1: or, or the first run of the Macbeth uh signature
0: yeah, that just came out are extremely overstable. My Grand Slam one I I consider for me unthrowable. Um same
1: with so I um I'll, I'll be honest, I have thrown Jenkins, uh, Destroyers, mm-hmm. and I threw them for a, a good amount of time, but that was when, that was previous to the podcast, so mm-hmm. I just kind of went on that tangent of throwing consistently, and I don't think I was really that consistent. I definitely had it in my mind that, um, Destroyers were incredibly understable, because I was turning them over, but that probably was partly me, but also, uh the Jenkins ones I threw were either given to me or found or whatever, <clears throat> so they were never fresh either. So I have this like skewed vision. Um and today I threw a beautiful champion destroyer mm-hmm. that we got from Bear Republic we did. brewing.
0: Yeah. With a nice little sparkle sparkle hot stamp on it with, with their the Racer, Racer 5, Five logo.
1: And then I did throw a first run Macbeth signature, mm-hmm. which Yes, unthrowable. But today, not as unthrowable as it had been in the past. That's so good. I feel good about my arm today. That's great.
0: And then the the one that we threw the the State Farm one that that was given to us to to Matt Raymond and the these Star Destroyers and I've had one I had a bottom stamp one recently that we actually gave away to a listener that was it was pretty throwable. But the the destroyer comes with a flight number of tw- flight numbers of twelve speed. It is a five glide, a turn of minus one, and a fade of three. So it, you're a high speed driver. It is relatively thin profile considering the speed of it. So, you know, not a terribly deep rim uh, on the inside of it. And it just probably one of the most widely used and dependable distance drivers that that's out there. Uh, the, the minus one, is something that I will say that develops with the disc. Mm-hmm. Out of the box, that right. minus one, unless you have a really, really big arm, is probably not going to going to be apparent at all.
1: Um, so. and, and as far as high speed goes, um, it's not an incredibly wide rim. No, either, not really, no. Which I think is why a lot of people gravitate <laughs> towards it and love it. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, compared to... To a lot of other high-speed discs, the, the rim width is not is not extreme either. So for a lot of different players with different hand sizes and everything, it, it should be fairly comfortable for, for most everyone. Right. You know, this is the disc. Obviously, Avery Jenkins, Paul McBeth, so many other players over the years have used it. The, uh, the Legacy Outlaw is essentially a, a carbon copy of it. Right. Well, um, if you
1: look at any Innova player, right... Um, I think almost every top pro uses the Destroyer for yeah. max distance. I'd say so. Uh,
0: you know, Macbeth carries multiple of them in, in various states of wear. So when you're throwing the Destroyer out of out of the box brand new, what you're throwing is an overstable distance driver. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get too much turn out of it unless it's either one uh, very lightweight, like maybe it's a blizzard version of it, something along those lines. Or but, your Paul Macbeth. Or your Paul McBath, and and you can do that. But even even brand new Star Destroyers that that he uh, you know Paul Macbeth is. Even Paul Macbeth is not going to turn over his Grand Slam destroyer. No way. So, <laughs> not without beating them in for quite some time. It's
1: almost as brutal as my Blizzard Katana.
0: <laughs> Joe has a, a Blizzard... Like, no
1: joke. It's stupid.
0: <laughs> Unbelievably, a Blizzard Katana, an understable distance driver, is super meaty. So It's dumb. No, no idea how that happened. There's something
1: like, it was a reject from the factory that somehow landed in my bag.
0: It's probably some sort of Cool Runnings, like weighted, weighted bobsled issue oh, that's going on. Oh,
1: totally. That's... So, but with that said, um, Robin kind of talked about it at the beginning. Um, so I'm just kind of giving you my thoughts on, on the Destroyer. And my thoughts are based on the disc kind of being inconsistent. Right, so we've talked about like oh, a Jenkins stamp and the Macbeth Grand Slam or the Signature Mm -hmm. um, or a G Star one, G Star or or Blizzard or Champ. They range, like, it's can be totally different between two Mm -hmm. of the same exact disc because of when they were run um, and what plastic they're in, so it's. It's tough, and I think the reason that I've never really gotten into Destroyers, although I think both of us predominantly threw Innova... Um,
0: I threw Destroyers for, for a period of time.
1: Right, and I think it's by the time I was getting Destroyers to where I liked them, they would start to be a little bit too beat, and I, it wasn't easy to replace. Um, it's kind of like, if you find one you really like, then you want to keep getting more and more of that same run... But mm-hmm. it might be two months in mm-hmm. to you realizing that you really like that run, and now you can't really get that run anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's kind of a funky thing, and I think um, I think you can
0: still find though the traditional star in champion destroyers that that you know maybe they're not the signature model, but totally. I think there's there are enough of them out there that you can get pretty good consistency out. Of By the them. way,
1: probably have only seen a handful of champion destroyers let alone thrown one i like the champion destroyer yeah
0: yeah i i feel like the the star destroyer is is more popular but oh well, it is i but think I got no problem it, with it i think the...
1: if you go on infinite disc it like it's like been number one in infinite disc ranking yeah. for ever
0: i i lost it but i had a, a a um a blizzard destroyer that was fairly heavy for a blizzard disc like a like 168 or something like that and I really love that. That was a terrific disc for for biting off a, a little bit of extra distance. And
1: right. So ultimately, um, I think our basis or my basis for the destroyer is a um, where the minus one is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah. a nice flat release. Yes. A slight right turn mm-hmm. and a dependable but not overstated. And uh, it's a high glide disk yep. and it absolutely yep. is. It's It's a three fade, you know, it's not going to hook up hard on you and and skip out unless you don't have the power for it, which totally. Then it will absolutely just be bad in. news bears for sure. Um it's I mean you I don't think it's possible to say bad things about a destroyer. Yeah. When when the names that are on destroyers are on destroyers they're there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of world
0: champions. You see amazing things done destroyers. with Destroyers.
1: Um, the thing is, I never got super into them. And mm-hmm. I think, um, for me, like I spent more time with bosses mm-hmm. and felt real good with what a boss did. Which I'm now like 100% rethinking because, as we all know, my new jam is high-speed, low-fade. Mm-hmm. Uh and I almost feel like the Three on destroy is too much fade. <laughs> Could be. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic disc. I think mm-hmm. if you have the power to do something with a 12 speed, mm-hmm. you definitely need to have one. Um, if you have the power to do something with a 10 or 11 and have the time to wear in mm-hmm. a star, yeah. you definitely should have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do think, and I'm a firm believer. Everyone needs to own a destroyer. I I agree. At if, least one. Everyone does. Number like one, shit. So great the, name. Like, listen, I, I'm it's telling a you. Star I'm telling you right now. I don't throw destroyers. I don't. But I owned four destroyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I own four destroyers.
0: I think if I went through the pile, I could probably I could probably end up with six or seven. Right. I,
1: and and I there I are is. places and there are times. Um, it's, it's a fantastic disc, but at the same time, my four destroyers are all either, they're all different plastic, different runs. Um, there's not really consistency there, which is probably more on me than the disc. Um, there I guess I I throw an outlaw too. So I guess I do carry one Mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah,
0: pretty much. I mean, the, the, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, I believe the outlaw is a, discontinued run of destroyer that was sold to legacy i'm i'm fairly certain i hope i didn't just like well i'll tell
1: you right now say
0: some bs on a podcast as a fact aside
1: from my Macbeth destroyer my outlaw is more stable than any of my other destroyers Mm -hmm. um like even like a fresh champion is not as stable Mm -hmm. as my outlaw Hmm. that that could be too Let's see. The... I remember
0: we we reviewed the Icon Outlaw in, yeah in an early episode and and it was pretty overstable. It was definitely oh, beefy. a great headwind disc that sort of mm-hmm. thing for for a distance driver. So I think this time we talked about the beer though.
1: I know. I just realized looking down. I was like, so, we haven't said anything about this.
0: There's so much to say about the Destroyer. Amazing beer. And it's not the the Destroyer is not like any other disc that that you deal with. And there's so many different versions of it. It's been around for so long you know i it's hard to say definitively and give someone an exact description of what that disc is because so many people have so many different destroyers and what they can do the 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 destroyer is a distance driver that with wear and and practice can give you maximum distance yeah. lines and and has been for for pro players for a very long time so you can find a destroyer that will be a complete meat hook. Yep. You can find a destroyer in lighter weights and, and find one that you, you
1: can find... You can literally find a star on a course somewhere that... Will be a beautiful thing that... You right. Just... Or will go right and not come back. Yeah. Like, it's... Exactly. You can run the full game And uh, before we get to the beer, actually, I want one more little closing piece to talk about how much of an asshole I am. <laughs> I... um. I did not forehand it. Oh. And thinking about it right now... destroyer is a great forehand disc. I should disc. probably be carrying yeah. a Destroyer for a forehand disc. No, it's a great forehand disc. Absolutely. Um,
0: but the, it's the main right thing...
1: In my, it's right in my current uh, forehand wheelhouse, and I'm mm-hmm. upset that I didn't do that. Yeah.
0: Well, and the main thing about the Destroyer, and and we've talked about in past episodes, the concept of layering discs, having multiple of the same mold, and... and Keeping them in various states of wear to get different flight paths, and that's what people do with destroyers. They have a new one for overstable shots. They have, you know, one that's slightly beat somewhere in the middle to, for for straight to Heiser shots, and they have one that's very beat in that they can throw on Anheusers or on on max distance lines and, mm-hmm. and get you know get a lot of lot of turn out of them. So definitely very common now. The Stone Tenth Anniversary India Pale Ale. This is a terrific double IPA. It's ten percent alcohol. Right,
1: Um, Ruination's a double, so pretty much, pretty pretty much nailed. uh, So even
0: though Joe totally just completely botched the, everyone's happy about it. uh, I'm I'm pretty much cool with it. This is a terrific IPA. I mean, it just really is world class on on this one. Yes, in terms of flavor profile, you get the the nice hoppiness to it, but you also have all these complex flavors that are not masked by alcohol. And it's like
1: fruity too, so it's not like the super piney hoppy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like on the nose too. And it's
0: not a malty, you know, for a ten percent alcohol beer, to not have that kind of malty booze sort of flavor that you can often get with with either double or triple IPAs. I mean, it's
1: boozy, but it's not malty. Yeah. It's oh, it's no, it's not, it's not. That, it's not super boozy. You're right. You're right. No,
0: not at all. In my opinion. Um it uh, like very common of a lot of of i p a s the kind of citrus the kind of floral flavors to it are are very prominent and it at the same time it carries a punch with that ten percent alcohol well, that it comes through
1: and it's it's super hop for it hmm and um i love hops mm-hmm. that's what I want this is when I get a double i p a this is what I want. Yeah, I want citrus. I want some effervescence, mm-hmm. and tons of hops. Yes, I am so angry when I get double IPAs and they're super malty, like you're yeah, saying. Yeah,
0: where all you taste is the alcohol and the sugar. Right, and that's and, it. and
1: and there's like and or, and bitterness, mm-hmm. and bitterness, but no hop.
0: And in the end, you just have like a dry mouth and like and you're I drunk. love
1: bitter. I love bitter but only when it's contrasted with hops. Or not mm. only, but usually when it has a big like hop contrast. Yeah. Uh, and I I think
0: the kind of the tanginess and the and the citrus flavor helps to really kind of mask the 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 malt. I mean the malt is present. It you yeah. really, with any of these you're going to taste that flavor. It's it's very much present, but I think the other flavors how how kind of uh clearer they are it really hides that quite a bit and w- the result is a very dangerous 22 ounce beer
1: yes so like um i want to drink a lot of this yeah like this is the thing uh luckily you got a four pack today i know but so, only one of these
0: but yeah the other ones are probably just as good except, oh, for, I'm the, sure. except for except for one of them that looks that Looks like it could be pure trouble.
1: Right. Like I think that one will actually like uh you'll get halfway through and it'll be like, Hey, <laughs> I got lots of booze in me. You'll be like, okay, good call. <laughs> this one, uh you can easily drink it fast. Yeah. And then take a a, a breath and go, Oh Yeah. that. <laughs> that was not an awesome idea. Which is to, to move forward what i would probably do on the course yeah
0: but if you it, you must i'm sure you'll be able to find it in certain places this is
1: a must buy um so i don't i don't know um honestly i've not seen it outside of that four pack i mm-hmm. don't know if, if you have to buy the four pack
0: so to i mean get it. It, i don't think so number one the the pack you bought is a 20th anniversary pack right yes so, and this is the 10th anniversary. It is,
1: but it's all part of the encore series exactly. for so, the 20th anniversary. So this anniversary. beer has
0: has been around for some time and it has probably been released in in other in other facets, I would imagine. based on on what I've seen, I think that that um,
1: that this one is Well, here's my theory and I feel like I should have done more research. but this is me this is not the podcast or Robin this is me
0: we reserve the right Right. to spout nonsense as facts so in
1: this in this uh, four pack there is also a new 20th anniversary beer uh, the Citricado which we might review at some point Mm -hmm. Um, there is a five there is a ten there is a fifteen all in here I have not seen these beers before until right now so I feel like it's it's the it's encore. A, it's an anniversary release, yeah. And so you probably have to buy the uh, the be. anniversary release pack to get it. And I will also say that if that is the case, um, because Stone works wonders there. The the genius is behind enjoy by. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there's a date on the box of when to drink it by, so. Um, you can probably get it at later dates. Those boxes will probably be floating around, but you want to try and find those boxes sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I, I spent $20 on four easily 10 dollars twenty two. Yeah,
0: and 5 bucks each. That's not bad that's at all. That's
1: fantastic. So. Like this beer alone, like $10, I would not feel bad about.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's terrific. And Stone has a lot of great beer.
1: And so and let's roll through Sonoma and buy every one of these yeah. boxes that we can find.
0: <laughs> but uh and and Ruination is a terrific beer as well. Same with Ruin Ten. Obviously if you come across any stone beer, it's it's worth checking out. Very delicious. Joe, have you we normally finish out these, these deer reviews, our our disc and beer pairings, with a verdict. And have you come to a verdict with the First, we should say, "The destroyer, are you going to bag it?"
1: Um, give me just one second. I gotta take one more sip of this. But uh, I want that. You can have the red. Let me. You're just... supposed to talk. You're supposed. I, to I know. It. Just it's so good. Just, All right. Just fine. Uh, just like hum a little ditty.
0: <laughs> so the destroyer, I'm gonna say one. I have bagged it in the past, and uh, and it it's not out of the question. That I would bag it in the future but to be honest I've spent more time of recent lowering the speeds in my bag right. and getting myself down you know to the point where I really maybe don't have much over over nine speed to begin with in my bag so the destroyer is a terrific distance driver uh, I personally do not bag it right and and it, I would say it's a pretty safe bet that I, I won't going forward
1: yeah so, um, I'm going to say somewhat similar. I think, not, not in the sense that I've been um, staying away from higher speed discs, because y'all know that's not my jam. Uh, I For me, kind of that flight path that you get out of it, I'm, I'm just loving the DDX so much right now. And the little bit lower fade on that DDX is just perfect mm-hmm. for me. Um, I do think I need to spend more time with it. I, I'm not putting it in the bag right now. There is a chance at some point, as a forehand. You had
0: been, up until very recently, bagging until, a champion destroyer. Right.
1: And then a new disc that we will maybe actually even talk about next week or in a few Could weeks. Could be, yeah. Kicked it out of the bag. But it's still, it was in my bag, and it really was there as a um, backup to kind of like that DDX world mm-hmm. to where, um, because I only have one, it was a good, like, in case I lose it or whatever, there is definitely a chance that I will bag it at some point, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right now, not the case. Um, like I said, I own four of them, and they're all different plastic, different runs, and it's really only the champion one that I've I've spent a lot of time with. So we'll see as it goes. I could definitely see it becoming a forehand disc for me, um, but at this point, no, it's not going in the bag
0: now the beer absolutely if if i could find it right and 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 use regularly this is a terrific beer a great ipa possibly
1: a little too much alcohol
0: for for an optimal disc golf round
1: but worth worth the fall (laughs) apart on 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 like 14 through 18 so i would
0: say uh casual round with your buddies yes uh you know, tournament. Obviously, it's not legal to
1: drink alcohol during. But that. like a C tier tournament, still like probably not. But you know,
0: not worth the basically anything but it. But a, but an A tier tournament. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, 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 if it's not a casual round, you probably don't want it. But I do want it, and I would probably still do it. I mean, raise your hand
0: if you've been to a tournament where alcohol
1: was supplied.
0: Everybody. We're both raising our hands. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so most people are.
0: I think anybody listening has been too. So. It's uh, so good, <laughs> terrific, really, really awesome. If you can, if you can find it, the Stone Tenth Anniversary IPA uh, is excellent. Really, really kind of exactly what you want a double IPA to be, right. where you still get the excellent and, flavor and I've profile. Had,
1: and I've had the Citricado, which is in the four pack. I, we have not cracked the other two. We will at some point probably not for the podcast but just in general um, if you can find that four pack get it yeah I I've absolutely. seen it for a, a while and and today was the day that I swooped it and I'm kind of upset that I didn't do it sooner
0: yeah so what's your verdict what, what 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 are you gonna give the the stone 10th anniversary IPA and the destroyer what's the final verdict of the disc and beer pairing
1: I'm giving it a uh, a a blurry final four hole par run. <laughs> blurry? Uh, it, it's the, uh, you know, I part out on the last four. I kind of wasn't totally there. Um, I was kind of like buzzing super hard. <laughs> but point? I threw some good drives. I hit my putts. Maybe could have gotten a birdie there, but I was feeling real good. And, uh, no bogeys. Because I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen if I, I brought know. that on the course.
0: I don't know if you could repeat that if you tried. I, but I don't need to. <laughs> I don't it's need
1: a, to It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a clean finish while, uh. Being, <laughs> being strong. Intoxicated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, <laughs> that's a it's a good beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> now, our disc and beer pairing, another deer review in the books. It's time for us to close out this episode number thirty nine of the Disc Golf Podcast. We have great listeners that join us in our Slack group all the time. Which is a
1: communication And app. that's how we uh, got, actually, our deer review for...
0: Exactly. It's uh, Matt, who is a, a member of that Slack group, and we will happily send you an invite to it. If you would like to chat with us and other Disc Golf Podcast listeners, they're active all the time, posting videos, things that you want to see about Disc Golf, They've people trading discs on there. It's all kinds of goofy stuff. Talking on. about beer. Constantly. Talking Constantly. about not
1: drinking beer. So, all sorts of good stuff.
0: But send us an email the disc golf we'll send you an invite to the Slack group. Or if you just want to email us and tell us how much you love the show, we we are not opposed to flattery and will certainly, you know, take as much as
1: possible. No, totally. Um listen, we got a $10 Visa gift card to buy beer today. That is the most money we have gotten through this podcast (laughs) since we began. So we are definitely not doing it for the money. Uh, We are doing it because we have a great time doing it. It's fun. But also uh, we feel like people are having a good time listening and our fans. So the more you let us know... uh, the more fun we have doing it. Yeah,
0: and we love engaging with uh, with our listeners on, on our Slack group. So definitely check that out if you'd like to. Send us an email, thediscgolfpodcast at gmail.com. We have all kinds of fun in there. Joe, tell them about the rest of our social media accounts, where they can find pictures we post and, and information about our podcast.
1: Yeah, so we are on Twitter at The Disc Pod. We are on Instagram, The Disc Golf Podcast, facebook.com slash Podcast. We are on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud, on iTunes, which we would love your uh, five star, four star, five star. Five star. Five star review. I was just making sure it wasn't a four star rating system. It was five. Five. Uh, Let us know. Have a good time. And and please join us on Slack. It's just a fun time, fun to be had by all.
0: It is. And speaking of our listeners from Slack, we have two different things that we want to shout out from our listeners this week. We have one, one of our. a great uh, kind of video editor that mm-hmm. that's posting videos lately. We talked about it on a previous episode about does it disc golf is a series that he started. He's got a new video that drops today, which is Friday, most likely depending on when I post it. Um, <laughs> Listen,
1: it's probably Thursday. <laughs> post the podcast.
0: Well, maybe, maybe I get this out tomorrow, which is Thursday, the 10th of, uh, of November. But most of the time I get it out on Friday, but it's a uh, JTO, and then the number two, Go. And he has a YouTube channel and he's started a series called Does It Disc Golf? And he's just introduced another episode where he's throwing a pie tin. And that thing actually flies.
1: Do you think he's going to have an episode where uh, it's just like a minute and a half long? He's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, could be. Nope,
0: doesn't disc I, golf. I think that probably would have been the first one with the iPad. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: Hey, he championed through.
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: Cut them fingers up on that shattered screen
0: Definitely check out that channel. Super entertaining videos, great concept, and, and really does a nice job with all the editing and filming uh, of those and lots more good stuff to come from Josh. So check that out. We also have another second edition second edition of the Panda Picks, who is one of our listeners, who is the panda of, of the Disc Golf Podcast, who's going to close us out in this episode giving us his picks. For the weekend.
1: And he said something about like, uh, like DGAM. I don't know who that guy is, yeah. but I don't know. I'm not sure what DGAM is, but he mentions
0: it. In Maybe. If, if you know, let us know. We're, Maybe he's like a so trance sure. DJ or something. Could be. That makes a lot of sense. In the meantime, we hope you have a great weekend. We hope there's good enough weather where you live to play some disc golf. Get out there and throw stuff at stuff.
1: Hey, Panda here time for another panda pick today i'm doing for the Punny Woods open first place eagle mcmahon although I'm not quite sure if he's going to be there i'm still going to go with him second place <coughs> he's a cheater and a lefty zach melton third place matty o fourth place eric mckay doing it for the dgam guys and those are your panda picks